humorous uh, uh, questions and answers uh, given to some second grade school uh, kids. And um, I won't read all of them, but I want to read some of my favorites. Uh, one question that these second grade school children were asked is, what did, mom, what did your mom need to know about your dad before she married him? And the first one said, his last name. The second child said, she had to know his background. Like, is he a crook? <laughs> Does he get drunk on beer? The third, the third child said, does he make at least $800 a year? <laughs> and did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? <laughs> uh, the second question, what kind of a little girl was your mom? And the first child said, my mom has always been my mom and none of that other stuff. Uh, second child said, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be pretty bossy. And the third child said, in answer to what kind of a little girl was your mom, they say she used to be nice. <laughs> Another question, if you, could be, uh, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? First child said, uh, she has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that. Second uh, child said, I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister who did it, not me. And another one said, I would like, to, like her to get rid of those uh, invisible eyes in the back of her head. <laughs> Fourth question, what would it take to make your mom perfect? And the first kid said, on the inside, she's already perfect. But on the outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> and this, <laughs> the second one said, diet. You know, her hair. Diet blue. And I know what you thought. And the fifth question was, why did your mom marry your dad? And the first kid said, my dad makes the best spaghetti in the world and my mom eats a lot. And the second child said, she got too old to do anything else with him. So she married him. And then my favorite, the third one, uh, third kid said, well, grandma says that mom didn't have her thinking cap on. <laughs> We've been talking about family life. Today we end the series, and um, I've had just so much feedback on this, so I promise we will do this again, um, maybe in the new year. Uh, we definitely will be having classes in September on parenting and on marriage, and I would recommend that you, uh, that you become experts on that. This is, this is how you're going to have a great marriage. Remember, we want to put the fun back in functional, and I'm going to tell you that having a fun, functioning family... Does never happens by accident. Our default setting, it seems, is dysfunction. And we will see it in our family, we'll see it in our marriage, we'll see it in all our relationships. But what God wants for you is to have a functioning family that's full of fun and happiness, a safe and secure place. But it doesn't happen by accident. You've got to be really intentional about it. Now, I just want to remind everybody what the purpose of the family is. Remember, I said that family is God's gift to us. And it's in the context of the family that you and I, first of all, enjoy, hopefully, enjoy happy relationships. That's God's intention for the family, a safe place for you to enjoy happy relationships. But that's not all. Because some people think that their family is abnormal because they don't always feel happy. They don't always get along. Well, this, the flip side of that coin is that the family is also the place where you learn how 
to have strong, healthy, normal relationships. This is, the, the, if you will, the family is the laboratory. It's the, it's the gymnasium. It's a place where you develop into the kind of person that you need to be in order to function normally and in a healthy fashion in this world. That's the purpose of the family. But like I said, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens through intention. You intentionally set out to have a good family. You work at it. You study books. You read about it. You you come to church and hear sermons on the subject. You do whatever it takes in order for you to have a great family. Now, I want to say this. And, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about men. And at the end of the service, I had a number of guys say, well, I can hardly wait till it's the women's turn uh, for them to get beat up. Uh, I, I hope the guys, you didn't feel like I was beating you up that day. But one of the things I did lay on you pretty heavily is your responsibility as men to give leadership in your home. And so when it comes to having a functional family, men, really, it's your responsibility. You're the one that's got to lead the way. You're the one that's got to say, okay, I am going to be the champion of a healthy, fun, great family. Guys, you have to lead the way. So now the ladies are sitting here wondering today, well, what's my part in all this? What do I have to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I want to share with you what really, really matters in your marriage. What you need to do, the most important thing that you need to do. You see, there's a lot of things that we do that are good. Some are are important. But nothing matters as much as what I want to share with you today, ladies. There's one thing that really matters. But before I tell you what it is, let's take a look at this verse, or these few verses from Proverbs, uh, written by the smartest man in the world. Um, And here's what it says. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Has anybody ever read read Psalm 31? We call it the passage about the virtuous woman. Now, a lot of women, when they read that chapter, they think, oh, who could live up to this? This is impossible standards. This is a superwoman. There's no way I could ever come close to that. And then the, the chapter concludes with these words. Her children then rise up. And say to their mom, you are blessed, you are wonderful, you're the best. And her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you're the best of them all. And you think, okay, this is not for me. This is not a world I live in. I can't measure up to this. But here's what you need to know today. Is that this is not the end of the chapter. It's almost the end of the chapter. And most people get hung up here. Now I'm going to just say this before we look at the next verse. That this is absolutely what every mother and every wife wants to hear. I mean, what woman, what wife, what mother doesn't want to hear her husband and her kids rise up and say, she's the best in the world? Uh, I'm going to say this to you today. Um, my wife tells me I'm the best man in the world, the best husband, and the smartest, the brightest, the most handsome. And it's true. I am. <laughs> but I think the same thing about her. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's a reason why we say that about each other. It's not that we're just sort of, you know, trying to uh, uh, flatter one another, trying to make each other feel better. That's not it at all. There is a reason for it, which we're going to get to in just a moment. But I want to t- take a look at this for a moment. I want to take a look at this verse. 
Because here's what I know for sure, is everybody wants to do a good job. Everybody wants to be recognized as being a great mom, as being a great wife. In fact, everybody wants feedback. Do you know that if you, uh, if you Google this, you'll find out that, the, that after a good paycheck, everybody wants from their employer some feedback. They want to know, am I doing it right? Am I getting it right? Am I, is it working out? I, is there things I need to change? Is there things that I can change? Did you know Mother's Day really is, in fact, a feedback day? It's the one time of the year where we stop to say to our moms, Hey, Mom, you know what? we just got to stop to say thank you. You've done a great job. I'm amazing. Thank you. <laughs> it's at one time of the year where you say to your mom, Mom, I appreciate all that you've invested in my life. Hopefully, it's not just one day of the week or one day of the year. Hopefully, this is something that is ongoing in your life. But BC, here's the thing. So many of us are not in the habit of thinking of others. We often think of ourselves first. So we actually need one day a year to actually, you know, set it aside to remind you that you actually have to do this. You actually have to say, thank you, Mom. You're wonderful. Okay. This is the time of the year, Mother's Day. Great job, Mom. Well... Today, I want to help moms. I want to help you, mom, wife, ladies. I want to help you be the best that you can be. And there's four common errors, at least four common errors. There are many, many more, but these are the major ones that I want to address. I want to help you overcome because we, women make these mistakes in order to try to get what, what we're seeing here on the screen. Because of women wanting the praise of their children, wanting the praise and admiration of her husband, they try to go about it the wrong way. And here's the four ways that women go about it wrong. First of all, um, women, mothers, let's, talk, let's address you as a mother first. What, you'll try to, what you're trying to do is you're trying to win a, a competition with your kids' friends. You're trying to win a popularity contest. You are trying to be your kids' friends. And I'm going to say this, uh, stop it. You will never and should never try to be your kid's friend. Your kids have the potential of really hundreds of people that could be their friend. But here's, here's what you need to know. There's only one person in the world that can actually be their mother, and that's you. Why would you want a demotion? Why would you want to demote yourself to, to friend status when you can actually be a great mom and and maintain mum status. I see this all the time. I see, marriage, I see families struggling because of parents forgetting that they're actually parents. You are not your kids' best friends. You may be friendly and may be friends, but first and foremost, you are parents. Moms, are you... Your friend, are you your, your, your kid's friend or are you your kid's mom? And you know what I'm talking about. You try to talk like your friend, like your kid's friend. You try to act like your kid's, you dress like your kid's friends. And you go out with your, you go with your kids and your kids are embarrassed now because you're not acting like their mom. Now you need to know this because you've got a great sense of self-worth tied up in this and you feel maybe rejected by your kids. It's not that they're rejecting you. What they're rejecting is the wrong idea you have in your head of what you need to be. So if you've been acting like a friend and dressing like a friend and talking like a friend, stop it. Go back to being mom. Go back to being that one that, that uh, 
Nobody, in the, nobody else in the world can be. The second error is you need to be careful not to confuse smothering with mothering. You know what I'm talking about? A lot of parents, a lot of moms especially, because they have this nurturing instinct, this mothering instinct. They want to protect their kids. They want to help their kids. They don't want their kids to make mistakes. They don't want their kids to fail. They don't want them to trip. They don't want to scratch themselves. They don't... Look it. Your kids are someday going to be leaving home, and they're going to have to live in this real world. What you need to do is you need to equip them to leave your house. You need to equip them so that the day comes when they're able to stand on their own two feet and they're able to survive on their own. But the only way that's going to happen, and we've talked about this a few weeks back, the only way that's going to happen is if in your mothering, you teach them how to be self-disciplined. One of our kids of the day, um, not that long ago, slept in and came barreling out of the room and said, why didn't anybody wake me up? And I said, do I look like an alarm clock? I'm not an alarm clock. You have one. In fact, you have several. You need to learn how to use it. Well, are you going to give me a ride to school? No. You're going to take a bus. Well, I'm going to be late for my class. Yeah, that's right. You are. You're going to be late for your class. Guess how many times the alarm clock was missed after that? None. What am I doing? Am I being a mean old dad? No. I'm teaching my kids self-discipline. I'm teaching them how to stand on their own two feet. Because here's, mothers, what you too often want to do. You want to smother your kid rather than mother your kid. You want to do for your kids what they need to do for themselves. It's a huge problem, a huge mistake. And here's, here's the shocking part of it all. Because if you're smothering your kids, the day is going to come when they're going to actually, and this is going to shock you, they're going to actually resent you. They won't even know why they're resenting you. But I can tell you why they resent you. Because you didn't prepare them for real life. And you continue to smother. Gore and I lived in Greece for uh, three and a half years, right after we got married. I'm going to tell you, that is a nation of smothering. And boys that are married with kids, they're, they're still, mom will phone them up and they'll do whatever mom says. It's amazing. Well into the 20s, 30s, and 40s. I don't know if it's a Mediterranean country thing. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this, moms. You need to let your kids go. You need to let them learn how to stand on their own two feet. You need to learn how, listen to this, you need to learn how to let them fight their own battles. Because again, you, I mean, here's, I'm going to tell you, the hardest thing for me to do as a father, and I know Glory would say exactly the same thing, the most difficult thing that I have had to do as a parent is to actually resist the temptation to get involved in my kids' battles. Can I tell you something? The day's going to come where they're going to leave home and they're going to have to stand on their own two feet. And guess what? Mama won't be there to fight your battles. Moms, are you preparing your kids to stand on their own two feet? Are you smothering them or are you mothering them? If you want your kids to stand up and call you blessed, you can't make that error. And I know you're thinking, well, what on earth am I supposed to do? What am, how am I going to get over this? What, am I gonna, what do I need to change? Well, I'm going to tell you. But before I tell you that, I'm going to talk now about you as a wife. And the first thing I want to say is this, is that if it's your goal, ladies, to kill the romance in your marriage, I don't think there's any women here who actually set out with that in mind. 
But if it is your goal to kill the romance in your marriage, here's what you need to do. Treat your husband as though he was your son. Be a mother to your husband, and you will kill the romance in your marriage like that. Ladies, you need to know this. Your husband already has a mother. She doesn't need another one. When your husband stood at the aisle and watched you walk down the aisle when you, on the day you were getting married, he was standing at the altar getting married to his wife, his beloved girlfriend. He wasn't marrying his mother. You need to resist the temptation to mother your husband. What do I mean by that? Well, very simply this. If he throws his socks on the floor, his underwear on the floor, or anything else on the floor, let him pick it up. And all the guys are just cursing me under your breath, aren't you? <laughs> I had a good thing going past here. Why don't you just leave it alone? <laughs> let him pick it up. It's not your job to be his maid, to be his the one that cleans up after him. You're not his mother. He knows how to do that himself, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit of, of uh, perseverance because you're going to get sick and tired of seeing the piles and he's going to say one day, hey, I don't have any socks. And you say, yes, you do. They're right there on the floor where you left them. (laughs) You know what? Glory and I are going to be married 24 years this August. And I can tell you that in 24 years of marriage, Gloria's never had to pick up for me. She's never had to put stuff away from me. She never has had to dress me. She doesn't have to buy clothes for me. She doesn't have to tell me what to dress like and how to dress and how to comb my hair. She didn't do any of that. But for, for many of you guys, your wife has become your mother. And ladies, I'm going to say this. Your husband will be very happy to let you mother him and nurture him. But I'm going to tell you, that's going to kill the romance in your marriage. You need to stand on your own two feet. You need to act like a man. The fourth error. When it comes to marriage, a wife looks to her husband to give her what only God can give her. Do you know that, ladies, that... Your husband cannot do for you what only God can do for you. Your husband cannot fill that hole in your heart that only God can fill. And I'm going to say this to you, ladies. If you are trying to get your husband to be God to you, it ain't going to work. He's going to finally one day throw up his hand and say, I can't do this anymore. I I cannot be to you what only God can be to you. What does it look like? What does it it look like to actually want your husband to fill that hole in your heart? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Peace of mind comes not from your husband. It comes from God. Contentment comes not from your husband. It comes from God. Joy comes not from your husband. It comes from God. So here's what you need to know, ladies. You need to say, ah, I got a problem. And I'm allowing or trying to allow others to fill that place in my heart that only God can fill. You've got to make that confession. You've got to admit that. I'm not saying you have to admit it to 
your husband or anybody else, but you have to admit it to yourself. You say, well, how do I know if I'm asking my husband to fill that hole in my heart? Well, here's what, you're, here's what you will do. You will, first of all, you, you will have a hard time trusting him. You'll be on the phone. Where are you? Who are you with? Why are you there? What are you doing? Where are you now? This will happen all day long. I, I, I hear this all the time. Listen to me. If you want to have a healthy marriage, then ladies, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to learn to trust your husbands. And some of you say, well, you don't know my husband. <laughs> okay, you see, this is why we talked about the men first and we set them in order first. And just for good measure, we're going to do it again on Father's Day. So guys have got to get... Get it twice. Ladies only need it once. They get it. Ladies, how many know ladies are smarter than men? And half the people are laughing because half the people here are ladies. But that's what you need to know. You're going to have to learn to trust them. And you're going to have to learn to get your fulfillment and your contentment and your happiness from God. It can't come from your kids. It can't come from your husband. And it can't come from your friends. It can't come from your mother. It can't come from anybody but God himself. So I want you to look at the scripture verse. Look what it says here. This is the end of the chapter. And this is critical now that you get this. Would you read it with me? Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Folks, listen to me. More than anything else... This is what is absolutely critical. What causes the husband to rise up and praise his wife, what causes the children to rise up and bless their mother in verses 28 and 29, is what we read about in verse 30. This woman fears God. This woman puts God first in all things and in all ways. Now let's, let's unpack that for a moment and understand what we mean by this. This term, fears the Lord... What do we mean by that? Well, very simply means this. It's to respect God. It's to walk with Him and do what He says. That's what it means to to fear the Lord. In fact, this term, fear the Lord, is used over 300 times in Scriptures. So we understand then that this is an important way to define or describe what our walk with God should be, what our relationship with God should be. So here's, ladies, what you need to know. Before you're going to have a great relationship with your husband or your kids, first, you must have a right relationship with your God in heaven. Charm is deceptive. Beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. So, ladies, look at this. More important than your beauty, more important than your charm, more important than your clothes, more important than your talents, your skills, or anything else that you do or say, it's this one thing, fear God. Which means that you do what? It means that you walk with God and you do what he says. Plain and simple is that. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, Solomon says this, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So if you want instructions and guidance and wisdom and how to get your marriage right and how to get life right, the beginning of it all begins here, walking with God and doing what he says. 
And if you're not walking with God and doing what he says, here's what I know you're doing for sure. You are taking your life into your own own hands, and you're trying to fix it yourself. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're fixing your marriage or fixing your family on your own, you're in the middle of a disaster. It's not working. You're having problems. You're fighting. You're struggling. Why? Because there's only one person that knows what's best for your marriage and for your family. And it's God. This is, what, this is what the Christian faith is all about. We, talked, we, we began the series by talking about the abundant life, the fulfilled and rich and satisfying life. Listen, where does it come from? It comes from doing what God says. Because God knows better than we do. And by faith, we accept that. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to respect Him. It means to walk with Him and do what He says. Plain and simple as that. My friends... Listen, if you learn to do this, you will have an absolutely awesome, fulfilling, satisfying marriage. If you learn to do this, you will have the wisdom and the guidance from God that you need to raise your family. Now, your, uh, your happiness and your peace of mind does not and cannot ever come from your husband or from your kids. It's got to come from God. I said that Gloria and I have been married, we'll be married 24 years in August. And here's what I'm going to say about Gloria. Uh, For 24 years now, every morning, before Gloria goes to work, before the kids go to school, before anything happens, Gloria is up with her Bible and she's reading it. And she's praying it. And she's asking the Lord for guidance and direction to help her do well as a mother, to help her do well as a wife, to help her do well at work, to help her bless the friends at work, to help her uh, interacting with the, with the church, to help her in every endeavor. 24 years, I watched her continually, continually go to God to fear the Lord, to walk with God and do what he says. Ladies, are you... Uh, trying to get from your husbands what they can never give you? You're trying to get from your kids what they can never give you. David, the psalmist, in Psalm 121, 1 and 2, he says this, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. That's where your help comes from. This is King David, one of the wealthiest men in the world at that time. A man with armies, a man with with all kinds of wealth and anything he wants. And yet at the end of the day, he says this, where does my help come from? Where does my strength come from? What do I need more than anything else? He says, I need the Lord. I need to walk with God. I need God's strength. I need God's help. Now here's the neat thing, folks. Listen, when you walk with God, he will give you wisdom and he will lead you to make right decisions. I've watched Glory over these years, and I've seen very wise decisions and wise choices. And it's, it's not because, you know, Glory's got an Einstein IQ, although it's pretty close to it. It's because she fears the Lord. She walks with God and always tries to do what God says. As a mother, ladies, you are functioning. 
in the wisdom and the power of God. Because you can't do that job on your own. You're going to be making mistakes. You're going to be making, making wrong choices all the time. But here's what I know for sure. If you're fearing God, that is, if you're walking with God and doing what he says, then you are going to have the tools. You're going to have the wisdom. You're going to have the guidance, the strength that you need to raise your children. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning. It's the start of great mothering. Your authority is a, as a mother comes from God. Your kids don't respect you. If your kids don't admire you, if your kids don't rise up and call you blessed, well, there's a reason for it. And here's what Solomon is, is saying here. He's saying this authority, this, this, this position of a mother is rooted in the authority of God. That's what gives you authority as a mother so that when you speak to your kids, your kids will listen to you. Otherwise, Here's what you look like. You just look like an out-of-control, emotional wreck, screaming out orders, illogical commands, and your kids just think you've lost it. But when you're rooted in this walk with God, watch what happens. This is great. Watch this. The fear and the respect that you have for your Father in heaven now is transferred to your kids, and your kids will fear and respect you. This is a, 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 a very important principle. And mothers, if you get this, it's going to revolutionize your motherhood. Begin with a walk with God and then watch what happens as your kids begin to love you and respect you, admire you, and listen to you. The respect you have for the Father in heaven will now be given to you from your kids. Now, let me just give you some last-minute advice concerning what it means to be a wife. Listen, a wife who fears God and does what he says will, listen, will gain emotional fulfillment from God, will get from God what her husband can never give her. Now, when the, when the pursuit of God, that is seeking first the kingdom of God, that's what Jesus put it, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When this is your number one goal, guess what happens? You return, ready for this? You return to the pre-fall era. I challenge you to look that up in Genesis chapter 2. You return to that time when Adam and Eve were equals. A happy marriage is a marriage where husband and wife are equal. That means she's not subservient to him. That's, she's not his doormat. And neither is she his mother. It's not she's above him or below him. They are equal. If you want to have a great marriage, ladies, here's what you need to do. You need to begin with the fear of the Lord, where you begin to put God first in your life. And you begin to live the way God's called you to live by getting your fulfillment from God. And now suddenly your husband becomes your equal and you become best friends. 24 years of marriage... In August. Now, I'm not bragging to you. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm celebrating the marriage that I have. And it's, it's based, listen to me, it's based on this. Two people trying to fear the Lord, trying to walk with God and do what he says. In the inside of Gloria's wedding ring is a, di- is a, is a little triangle shape. At the top of the, of the 
triangle shape is God, and at each corner is Alan, and then there's Gloria. And before we ever got married, I said to Gloria, listen, as long as you and I are are moving towards God, you and I are going to come together. And that is how we've lived our lives. We've tried to move towards God. And as she has moved towards God and as I have moved towards God, we have developed a depth in our relationship, in our marriage. To me, I never dreamt that marriage could be so utterly wonderful and fantastic. In fact, when I have marriage counseling, I always tell the couple that I'm counseling, look, if your marriage is half as good as mine, you're going to have a great marriage because I've got the best marriage in the world. And all the couples always say to me, well, we're going to try to outdo that. We're going to try to try to outdo you, Pastor Alan. That's what I want to hear. What I know is this, my friends. Listen, the way that you're going to have a great marriage, the way that you're going to have a great family is if you are putting God first in all things and all ways. When you are equal, it produces a friendship, a depth of relationship that goes beyond this old-fashioned idea where the man is the, is the boss, the dictator of the house, and the wife just does whatever she's told. That is such a lie from the pit of hell as far as I'm concerned. The scripture teaches clearly that husband and wife, you are equal. And your job, ladies, is to make sure that you don't try to go ahead of him and you don't go behind him. Walk beside him. That's the basis of a wonderful marriage. And the only way that's possible is by fearing God, putting God first. 24 years later, Gloria and I can still go for coffee, still go for supper, still go out together, and we can talk and talk and talk, and we always run out of time. After 24 years, we still got so much to talk about. Still so much, so much that we want to share with each other. Well, I thought when I married Glory that I really loved her. <laughs> I think now, after 24 years, what, the way I love her now, it makes me think, did I even love her then? Listen to me, this is what marriage is supposed to be. Two people who are equal. I'm going to close with this. Some of you have heard of Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley had 19 kids. And you think to yourself, wow, 19 kids. How on earth do you raise 19 kids? There were no video games to keep those kids busy because we're going back to the 18th century. There is, there is very little, really, to keep these kids busy except that they had each other. Susanna Wesley, is to me, was actually one of my heroes Because here's what she did every day before the day began, before her kids ever went to school even. She began with a quiet time with God. Now, she's got 19 kids in a little house. So you know what she used to do? She'd just take her apron and throw it over her head. And the kids all knew that when the apron's over mom's head, she's not gone loony. (laughs) She's gone to be with God. She's gone to meet with the Lord. And she would get her Bible out and spend... The records say she spent a whole hour in prayer and reading her Bible so that she would be able to properly raise her kids. Now, I want to close with this. Of those 19 kids, there were two that were exceptional. The one of them is Charles Wesley, who's written over 7,000 hymns, and many of them are still sung in many churches today. In fact, we sing some of them. Over 7,000 hymns. Because what? Because of a woman who feared the Lord. The second child that was exceptional, his name was John Wesley. Some of you may have heard of him. 
He's the, actually the founder of the Methodist churches that are throughout the world. But here's what you need to know about John. John felt the call of God, and inspired by his godly mother, he went throughout the land of England preaching the gospel. They say that he's, he preached over 42,000 times. That's just a staggering number of times. I'd have to live like 2,000 years to, 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 to preach that many times. But that's how often he was preaching, so many times. Listen to this. Historians say this. Were it not for the preaching of John Wesley, the son of Susanna Wesley, this godly woman who feared the Lord, who walked with God and did what he says, if it were not for Susanna Wesley's son, John, and it's important that you know that because, as someone said, the one who rocks the cradle rules the world. If it were not for John Wesley and the godly upbringing he had, England would have had a bloody revolution very similar to what France went through. But because of a godly woman who feared the Lord, she raised children who loved and served God and feared God. I'd like our ladies to stand with me, please, this morning. I want to pray a special blessing upon you, all the ladies, young and old. If you're standing beside your wife, uh, or sitting beside your wife, just hold her hand right now. We're going to pray a special blessing upon her. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for the example of godly women we see in Scripture and in history. God, I thank you right now for the mothers here who really want to be the best that they can be. These women who want to be the best wives that they can be. We pray, God, that you give them the grace and the strength to rise up and fear God. To walk with God and do what he says. This is, this is the secret. This is the secret component to a healthy and strong and healthy and happy marriage and family life. God, we pray right now that our mothers would know today how much we really love them. That we men would be careful to praise our wives for who they are and what they do. We pray, God, today that our mothers, our wives here today, would be reminded how, how important it is that they turn to God first, the beginning of every day. And we thank you, Lord, for the grace that's ours to live this life and do the thing that you've called us to do. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Okay, now don't move for a second because i got a very special treat for you. Give me that little piece there. Don't, don't move. This is, this is really exciting. And Andrew's smart enough to know that I forgot to tell you about this early. Thank you, Andrew. I've got a, we've got a special gift for the ladies today. But wrapped in that little gift is some stress relief. <laughs> Bubble wrap. And it's pink for mothers. So, so listen... Mothers, take it, enjoy this little gift. Make sure all the, this is for all the ladies. When you go, make sure you get your gift, and especially, uh, you know, remember to, to get your bubble wrap. Uh, I find this is very good for stress, but I want to just caution you to use it wisely. There's only about 160 bubbles here, so, so use it wisely. God be with you, and have a great Mother's Day. Uh, tell the person beside you, uh, God bless you, Mom.